You're listening to the Holistic Spaces podcast brought to you by Mindful Design Feng Shui School. Episode 183, How to Feng Shui Your Living Room. Welcome to episode 183 of the Holistic Spaces podcast, where we hope to inspire, educate, and empower you to create your own holistic spaces that nurture and resonate with you. Angie Cho and Laura Morris are the founders of the Mindful Design Feng Shui School. We teach Feng Shui online. Visit us at mindfuldesignschool.com. Be sure to sign up for our mailing list. We have so many special, unique offerings only for our newsletter subscribers. If you go to mindfuldesignschool.com and scroll to the bottom, you can sign up for our mailing list there, or you can look in the show notes for the podcast. And right now we are just finishing up a free Feng Shui Basics workshop. So you could probably still join if you aren't already a part of it. Just sign up for our mailing list and it'll be available for a couple more weeks. And also we're welcoming new students for our certification program that starts in September. We hope to see some of you in our certification program. It's limited to 18 students only. And we are now doing a couple info sessions live. We'd love to see you. And if you have any questions about it, be sure to let us know. So today we're talking about the living room and feng shui. And Laura is going to take the lead on this one. Yeah. So we are going to chat a little bit about how you can set up your living room by using some simple feng shui principles at the end, the goal being to create a more harmonious space because it's a common area, right? A living room is a place where family, friends, everyone comes together, lots of different personalities, lots of different energies. And so how can you create harmony in that area so that it resonates throughout, you know, the rest of the home and everyone's getting along and, um, you know, nice and smooth and easy. So we broke it down into sort of three areas. And so the first thing is we talk a little bit about just the basics. Like if somebody said to us, how do I get started on setting up my living room using feng shui? I'd say, okay. So there's a few things we'd say for any room, but it doesn't matter. It's always good to go back. This is also, I think, a really good way to demonstrate that you know, you can come up with a lot of different scenarios and feng shui. Well, how do I do this? Well, how do I do that? And you just come back to some similar things and use some common feng shui sense and you will get there. So the first thing would be to clear it. So cleaning it out is one thing, but also doing an energetic clearing. So a space clearing. That is something that you can do without even doing any of the other things on this list. You could just do a space clearing in order to reset the chi in your living room, especially if you've had a big party or a big get together, or maybe you've had some people over that, uh, you know, brought some weird chi in with them and some weird energy and you wanna, you know, move past that, clearing it is important. And we have a bunch of different podcasts on space clearing, but for me, I would probably do something with orange peel. And Angie, I think we just talked about this, didn't we? About oranges and I think we gave them a tip but you could use orange peel you can use an orange peel mist you can create your own using you know distilled water and oranges and let them soak for a few days and then spritz the room you can if you really want some deeper help and you want you could talk to a feng shui consultant and they can do a traditional orange peel blessing as well but you can use the power of oranges to clear away to change the chi of that living room 
So that would be the first thing. Yeah, I think we might have talked about it in our fruit symbolism mm-hmm. episode, but we talk about it a lot. Oranges are one of the most vibrant fruits in feng shui, that you, most mm-hmm. vibrant and strong and yang fruit that you can use as a clearing object. And mm-hmm. the essence of it is really quite strong. It's strong while it's very uplifting and it can clear out a space. And it's, I think, especially helpful for something like a living room, right? Mm -hmm. Where you want kind of an uplifted energy while clearing out the energy. Like you said, if you had a big party or even if you've just moved into a space or you haven't, you've been out of town for a while, whatever it is. And then, okay, what other things would you say are basics before you got started that you would sort of low hanging fruit basics for you? So one of the basics I would say is to declutter. And Laura and I talk a lot about clutter, but we want to also clarify that, you know, if you have a few things, that's okay. This is really like a modern day problem. And I was, I was just talking to someone, I was being interviewed for a podcast and I was talking about how, you know, just like with food, you know, how we're looking at food and nutrition in our lives and how electronics affect us as human beings, all these modern day adaptations we have in our lives now, we as humans really haven't evolved to work with clutter either. Because, you know, if you look back 10 or 20 years ago, we didn't have so much stuff. So just like we didn't have all these processed foods and GMO foods and like we didn't have iPhones 20 years ago, um, our our humanity, our society as a whole, we're really embracing and looking at how to work with these modern day problems and clutter is one of them. So first be very gentle with yourself and know just like with like a food allergy or like how all these children have all these food allergies, like my nephew's allergic to sesame seeds, right? Like he can't like have any sesame seeds around him or any nuts. It's just something that we have to work with now as humans living in this day and age. So first, don't give yourself a hard time about it and then just take it step by step. And one really simple tip is to declutter nine things a day for nine days. So find nine things that you could donate that you no longer need and just let it go, offer it to goodwill, and then make it conscious effort not to buy nine more things to take that, take the place of um, those nine objects because the universe automatically wants to kind of fill that vacuum. But allow yourself to let go and just see how that feels. And I always like to suggest this practice that I learned from Norman Fisher, who's a Zen practitioner, and he writes in this book how you could practice even um, if you have a hard time letting go, taking an object and moving it from one hand to the other and just start to feel how it is to hold something and then give it away. And so when we can start to practice giving things away and having less attachment to all the objects around us, it makes it easier for us to declutter and let go of things. Yeah, and I think another thing to remember too is this is an area that you want to create for your family to come together and to be able to relax and become more cohesive, whatever your family unit looks like. And if you don't have space for this family to come together with, then 
I mean, they can't come like, like it's both energetic and, you know, mundane at the same time. So you need to remove clutter or things that are making it hard for people to come into the space. The last basic that I will talk to you about is pretty simple. It's again, it ties really closely to clearing. So if you were going to do that orange peel clearing, I would also add on to it right after is airing it out. Open some windows, open the door, open windows. It's actually when we do a traditional orange peel clearing and BTB that we teach our students, there is a component of opening the windows at the end. So I would say use that chance to you know, open up the windows and do it with intention, especially if you've just done a space clearing. Yeah, and we've learned also through the pandemic that fresh air is so important. And another thing, another modern adaptation that we have as humans that we're spending so much time indoors and being outdoors and being in the fresh air, regardless of when it's winter or super hot, it is really important to get that air circulation around for your overall well-being, but it also refreshes the chi and energy in a space because when you keep the space locked up and stuffy, there's no chi or air moving around. It becomes stagnant. So open up some windows, even if it's just nine minutes a day, because I mean, for those of you that are in colder climates or we're moving into colder times, you know, do for, do what you can. So the next if, category. Wait, Laura, what yeah. about nine seconds if it's too cold? <laughs> nine seconds. Okay. If it's January in Canada, you get nine seconds. Actually, nine minutes is doable, right? Yeah, I think nine minutes is doable. I mean, if it's like minus, you know, 35 out and, you know, it's a windshield, don't do that. Then just do like open it and then close it really quick. Do, yeah, nine, nine seconds. seconds. Yeah, right. do nine seconds. The next thing we're going to talk about is color because we get questions about this all the time. First of all, there is a connection between, obviously, because we're talking about interior spaces, there's a connection with feng shui being part of interior design. Now, they're completely separate disciplines. They do dovetail together well, but feng shui is not about design, but you can use some specific systems and principles for the way you design a space. So we always, always get colors. Well, what should I paint my living room? What should I paint my bedroom? What should I? So we're going to say best colors for a living room. There are different ways you can get there. And we want to try to switch your brains to looking at things a little bit more from a feng shui perspective as a feng shui consultant might. So you don't need to have a design background is what I'm trying to say here. You don't need to go in there and say, oh, well, I see that this is like, you know, this particular Benjamin Moore paint color, and then that will go with this. And no, what you need to do is use tools in feng shui. So the first one you can use is the bagua. Okay. You could keep your walls incredibly neutral, white. We won't get into the whites, just a white. Okay. But then you can use the bagua to add in accent colors with what you want to achieve and what you want to activate in your life. So if you're not sure what the Bagua is, we have a download that is available on our blog on mindfuldesignschool.com. If you go to the blog page, you'll see it on the side. It's a downloadable. It tells you how to lay the Bagua, what the Bagua is very basic. We also have a lot of podcasts about it. We have a two-parter that you can listen to as well, podcast. And what I would say is think about what you want to work on right now in the next three months. Give yourself, you know, what are you really focused? Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's health. Go 
in within your living room. So you're going to bagua the area because, you know, you're going to figure out how to lay the bagua on it. Keep it really simple. Figure out where you walk into the space and then, you know, lay the bagua onto it and say, you know what? I want to work on wealth and abundance. And then you're going to add something to that area. You can add the colors in that area. You could add green. Okay. And honestly, you could add green as a theme to your whole living room with the intention of that it's starting in your wealth area and it resonating throughout the living room. So don't worry, not everything has to be a feng shui adjustment. You can do that deliberately in your wealth area and then you can accent the rest of your living room accordingly. Okay. So this is a way that you can use feng shui as an inspiration for color in your bedroom or sorry, in your living room. Angie, what other method or mode would you use? Another one that we use in feng shui, which is I think a little bit more intuitive for most people is the five elements. And this comes from the Taoist system and the five elements are earth, metal, water, wood, and fire. So earth element is grounding and stable and it's brown yellow and earthy tones metal is very precise and relates to joy and precision and communication clarity and communication that is white or like metallics like silver or gray and then there's water element which is black or charcoal and water element is related to wisdom and also social connections. Next is wood. Wood is growth, healing, and new beginnings too. And that is the colors green, teal, and blue. And then last but not least is fire. Fire is inspiration and visibility and passion and that is you might guess the color red or like very fiery like oranges and so if any of those resonate with you or tying into the last way that you can use colors any of these are intuitive to you that connect with your intention for how you want to shift your life or manifest things or if you feel really drawn to a color like there's you have like a favorite color or you you have a color that makes you feel good those are all good indications for bringing that color into your living room especially if it's in relationship to how you connect to the world because the living room space is where you it's your more public face of your home it's where you entertain where you have family come together it's a common area so it's what you feel good about showing the world okay so we're going to give you some kind of tips like like five little quick tips and thinking about how you can create harmony for your home and your family within you by using that living room space. The kitchen is also one that's really connected to family. Obviously it's a place where people come together, but you know, we're talking about living rooms and there is a way that you can be really deliberate about how you craft your living room and how you set it up. You don't have to do all of these things and not all of them may apply to you. So the first one would be thinking about your furniture arrangement. So remember how I said you need to make space? That's really important. If you have four family members, okay, 
and you want to come together as a family more, but you have seating for three, <laughs> that's not going to work. Like, I mean, I'm not talking it has to be beautiful, perfect seating, but it needs to be a place where everyone could sit around at some point and have a conversation. I liked, I liked that little laugh. You, <laughs> the snort. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it seems like it's common sense, but you don't know how many times you go into a home and that happens. Or you have a single person that really wants to meet a partner and they just have like one chair or, you know, with the bedroom, it's like a dead giveaway. If you go to like I was gossiping with my friend about uh, a guy she was interested in and she said, oh, on his Instagram feed, there's only one pillow. So it's a dead giveaway that they're single. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so so same if you have in your living room just one chair. Mm -hmm then you're not making space for inviting anyone else. So you really want to have enough furniture. Yeah. And I think that's just basic. I mean, we won't even get into the whole, like, try not to have your furniture focused around the TV. I'm going to get real. I mean, obviously, if it's a family room and a living room, it most likely will be. So instead, start to think about if you turned the TV off, could you play a board game? Could you sit around and have a conversation? So, you know, those are the kind of things you can sort of shift and think about. And that when you're really specific, you're really trying to come up with ways to connect with the family or friends a little on a deeper level. Okay, next thing I will say that I see this a lot, actually, in living rooms is blocking doors and windows with furniture. So people want to have these, you know, just on the heels of what I said about having enough seating, they go a little bit too crazy and they have these massive sectionals that are probably not quite the right scale for the living room space. And they've had to block the back door. I see this quite a lot actually. And it's a sliding door or it's one of two back doors that they have and they never use it. But what does that mean, Angie, blocking that door? It can be blocking opportunities, blocking your kind of backup plan. It could also be blocking chi leaking out, but it also simultaneously blocks maybe chi coming in. But it really represents kind of uh, something being blocked because your doors represent your voice. And when they're exterior, they connect outside. So blocking an internal door, an external door, or a window, and your windows represent your eyes, it's, it's not great. And there are some exceptions, like if you have one of those like new condos that are floor to ceiling glass, and there's just no, there, there's no option. And in fact, that is helpful because otherwise your whole wall would be glass. So it does create more stability, but we're talking about like typical homes. Usually I see when people do block those doors and windows, like Laura said, they have furniture that's not appropriately scaled for the space, which can maybe represent not seeing things appropriately in your life or that it's a place where you're just kind of putting furniture that you don't really want, that like a family heirloom or something that you're putting there temporarily, or you have too much furniture, that's usually like where it ends up. And it causes chi to stagnate and obstacles. And depending on where it is, it can be problematic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it could be in a part of the Bagua that's quite important and you're blocking off entry points into it, you know, could be the wealth area, could be fame area. There's many, you know, when you lay the bagua on the whole house. So if you have that and you have, you're, you're not able to obviously go out and get a new sofa or a new, you know, new sectional at the very least, see if you can pull it away from the door to give it like even a few inches just to allow that chi to breathe. 
if you can pull it away and allow the door to open partially or open, you know, and you can walk around, that's even better. Okay, so the next one I have is to add a round table or rug or round, just the round, a round shape. You know, it could be a coffee table, it could be a side table, it could be a rug. And the reason being is that the round, it smooths out the chi. Specifically, a coffee table is great, again, because if you're coming together as a family, you're sitting around, maybe you're playing board games, it smooths the chi out. It's able to curve, you know, move around the space much softer, and it softens the energy overall. And I want to add a couple more, too. So Mm -hmm. another round thing that you could add Mm -hmm. if you don't want to do a round coffee table or a round rug would be a round mirror to open the space up. So a mirror is used in many different ways in feng shui and also different schools have different ways of looking at it. But from the BTB perspective and the way that Laura and I teach, a mirror can be used to increase, to pull in, to repel, but we want you to bring in a mirror into your living room with the intention that you want to bring in more energy, bring in more space. So you can make your living room energetically larger by doubling it or doubling images like the reflection of chairs to increase the capacity for more expansive friendships, deeper friendships. And then you can also create a soft mirror by using that round shape that promotes more metal element like communication and clarity and ability to talk to one another clearly and express and feel free to express your feelings and your emotions and then the last adjustment is to or last tip feng shui tip for your living room is to add plants so plants are wood element and wood element brings in kindness and flexibility and compassion and growth so it not only softens the space creates a way to bring in more nature they're beautiful. It also, again, cultivates those qualities of flexibility and compassion and promotes healing in your entire home by bringing it into your living room. So, yeah, so we hope that you just do one thing. Don't get overwhelmed by your <laughs> living room. Pick one thing and apply it to your living room this week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Holistic Spaces podcast. You can tune in every Monday for a new podcast episode. And if you like our podcast and this episode, you can share it with others, leave a review. We've been getting some really sweet reviews. So thank you so much, all of you who have taken the time to do that. We read them. So thank you. And please feel free to join our mailing list. If you go to the show notes here or go to mindfuldesignschool.com and scroll to the bottom of the homepage, you can sign up for our mailing list. We love to connect with our newsletter subscribers and we offer special things just for them. And so we'd love to have you on our list and to be able to see you um, in a different way besides on the podcast. And finally... We have a certification program. We teach feng shui. We teach feng shui practitioners. We teach you how to become a feng shui consultant. And you can learn more about that at one of our upcoming info sessions. We're open for enrollment. Visit mindfuldesignschool.com. Thank you so much. And we will see you next week.